0: Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the
1: host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The school's full-time programs, a two-year MFA degree, and a three-year certificate program focus on experimental learning and sustained studio courses. Both programs invite students to focus on painting or sculpture, with drawing as an integral foundation for all creative production. Each semester begins with a two-week drawing or sculpture marathon to generate momentum and expand one's range of strategies for future studio work. Since its inception, the New York Studio School has emphasized rigorous learning through direct experience. Learn about scholarship opportunities, schedule a tour, and ask questions by emailing info at nyss.com. The school welcomes applications for fall 2020, full-time study through nyss.org. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York, and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. Jennifer Coates is a painter living and working in New York City and Pointel, Pennsylvania. She received her BFA from the University of Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts and her MFA from Hunter College. She's a recent recipient of the Sharp Volentist Studio and was a fellow at the Civitella Ranieri Foundation in Italy in fall of 2019. Recent solo exhibitions include Toxic Halo at High Noon Gallery, Correspondence and All You Can Eat at Freight and Volume Gallery, and Carb Load at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts. Her work has been written about in the Brooklyn Rail Art Critical Hyperallergic The Huffington Post, Smithsonian Journeys, and Art News, amongst other publications. I stopped by Jennifer's studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, while her show Toxic Halo was up at High Noon Gallery, which runs through March 1st. We talked about her violin playing, her escaping the city for the studio in the country, and much more. Here's our conversation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wait, what's
1: the hunch and the hu- what's the hump? I think the hump is
0: worse. <laughs> what is the hump? Like Oh, like You know the- like I like like you know when people get old and and like a hunch is a, a little bit of a curve but the hump is when the hunch really grows into like it's like a lump and kind of Super, like trolly kind of yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: it's like when a plant has that little nub and it starts growing a little that's, branch off. the That's side. what I'm after.
0: You're, you're going yeah, for that. I'm going for full on <laughs> troll.
1: When did <laughs> <laughs> when did the postures change?
0: I mean, just painting over the years. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I try to stand a lot when I'm painting to to sort of keep myself a little bit more aware of my of my body yeah. in relation to my work but i mean sometimes you can't and then the hunch comes in no, oh, no yeah. matter how many times i tell myself like sit up straight it's always just like oh i'm in the corner with my teeny brush and
1: even is that with any size painting cuz i can't paint sitting down if it's bigger than like you know a small
0: thing yeah i'm mostly standing but but when it comes to the detail work Oh, um, yeah. yeah, in order to keep my hand from sort of shaking, right. I have to get like, you know, support my body and nurse my hump. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Cultivate that <laughs> yeah. growth. Um, do you have a computer or do you work on the computer while you're in here? It um, looks kind of I don't. nice and non-techy.
0: I don't use a computer in here, no. See, I have
1: one in my studio. Like I bring my laptop and it's bad news. Is it? You know what I do though? I sit on uh, a Instead of a chair, like a comfy chair, I have one, but I don't use it. I sit on a crate, like a small crate, mm-hmm. and that keeps me from staying on the computer too long because my butt will hurt after like you get five wa- minutes. waffle
0: butt. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I'm like, okay, I got to get up and move around. Yeah. But it's kind of good.
0: Yeah. No, I think anything we can do to deter ourselves from being obsessed with social media and, yeah. you know, digital world stuff while we're in the studio. Is, Getting
1: lost in that stuff.
0: I mean, really. I've had to delete... Uh, Instagram and Facebook so many times From my phone yeah. just to like Stop this business
1: I got rid of Facebook mm-hmm. I felt like it was too negative mm-hmm. It was all bad news
0: Well especially now in the political yeah. season Ramping up I just can't handle the arguing It's it's heavy It's very dis um, What's the word Dis Concerting Re- concerning? Disregulating
1: <laughs> Disarming <laughs> <Disingenuous>? Disarming
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> yes
1: wow. it's not disco um <laughs> but you do have a couch which is nice i
0: do and i do not nap on it you don't nap no i can't nap are you
1: a napper in general
0: no i'm too hyper i can't nap i can't nap i can't nap it's either nighttime or no time yeah. i I, I'm, I'm, I have to be doing stuff yeah. have you
1: done the, <laughs> we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about age mm-hmm. have you fully converted to early morning person
0: um, yeah, I'm definitely an, a morning person. I'm See, not a night ha- person. Ha- where
1: did it happen for you? You know, to like, be how-
0: quite honest, I think I've never been a night person. Oh, you're just a morning person. I remember being at um, mu- music camp when I was a, a an early teen. And every single day, my friends and I would go, okay, we're going to wake up in the middle of the night and we're going to go to the boys' cabin or the boys are going to come to our cabin. And every night I'd just be like, no I can't wake up I would just I was just furious at anyone's attempt to wake me up so I'm just not a night person
1: go ahead guys I'm gonna sleep this yeah. one out
0: <laughs> every night <laughs> and every day I'd be like but I missed it <laughs> <laughs>
1: with no coffee with the boys at 6 a.m that no. wasn't happening no yeah I didn't I converted I think in uh grad school yeah it took me that long wow and I realized that uh because you know I work you'd work late at night mm-hmm. when you're in school does you know that's what you do. You just work all night. And I realized that I was so much more productive in the morning. Yeah. You have that morning energy.
0: Yeah, the coffee, yep. the waking up, and the clarity of the of the daytime. Yeah, you kind of harness, my friend.
1: harness that power mm-hmm. for the two hours that exist.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the
1: rest of the day. So is your day-to-day, like, studio, are you pretty regimented?
0: Yeah. I mean, as much as I can be. I, I would say while I have a show up, uh, it's harder for me to work, yeah, work, work, um, I tend to get distracted by sort of, you know, arranging meetings in the gallery right, and, right. and just keeping up with correspondence and, you know, all sorts of narcissistic bullshit. But, um, yeah, normally I'm, I'm pretty much a studio like every day and yeah. this, this fall I was at a residency in Italy, which was just incredible because I was working in the same room where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I was, my room looked out onto a garden and a landscape, and that's what I was interested in painting and drawing. So it was very seamless. I could work into the night, wake up early, just keep it all going throughout the day and- that was a very disciplined fall for me. Sounds really nice. It was great.
1: Was it? Have you done a lot of residencies?
0: I have not, um, because my husband and I have a, a house in rural Pennsylvania. There you go. And um, we always say that's sort of our—that's our residency. Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, often you do residencies in the summer, right? Especially if you teach. Right. And I, I grow vegetables out there, and I just we just like to be out there working usually. because yeah,
1: so. I feel like residencies are. A lot of times just escape from New York or escape from whatever humdrum you have going, yeah. wherever you are.
0: Yeah. But I mean a castle in Italy, I couldn't really pass that one up. It's <laughs> yeah. good stuff. Uh, yeah.
1: Was it did it find its way I mean that's an obvious question. Did it find its way in your work? Absolutely. What you're looking at? It and all totally
0: that? did. It was funny, I mean, I was there for six weeks and I, I, I've been sort of looking back on it and realizing it took me about a month of being there kind of just doing what I do and being like, but I need to make something that's sort of like Umbria, Italy specific. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what that meant, but I was a bit frustrated with myself for just continuing to make what I made at home.
1: It's like, I could just do this at home. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I drew in the garden. I drew, you know, the Italian trees just look different. So I spent a lot of time drawing them. And then we would go on these little field trips to look at, you know, Renaissance frescoes and eventually it it sort of coalesced and the frescoes made their way into my work and I found that the way I was stylizing trees was sort of in conversation with some of these renaissance frescoes and the way you know 15th century artists were doing it so I I started to get really excited about that
1: isn't it crazy like yeah I'm just gonna check out some renaissance frescoes today like you get well, I mean, I guess here you go to the Met and you go to every <laughs> mm-hmm. gallery, no,
0: we're so lucky to have we have the so Met much here, and the cloisters and the frick, yeah. I mean my God, yeah, the yeah. frick, yeah, the frick
1: yeah I mean there's and you have the other side of it, everything like contemporary and, mm-hmm. you know, but just being there, like being in Italy and seeing that kind of stuff in that environment, yeah, when you see
0: like the it. actual landscape that they were working from, the stylization starts to make sense, right. It actually, it, it it doesn't look so unnatural.
1: Yeah, it's that's the great thing about travel. You can like contextualize things. Mm-hmm. The, things just make sense mm-hmm. when you see it. Like mm-hmm. when you see Japanese prints, when you go to Japan, you kind of understand the space and the way that look fits with the culture. I know? have
0: never been to Japan, but that I could totally imagine that being amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's It's kind of a good example I mean for me it's just a great example of there was my life before I went there and understood you know Mm -hmm. because I always liked Japanese prints from when I saw like a Van Gogh Japanese print show at the Carnegie Museum Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh and um and then going and seeing it totally different thing yeah but Italy was like that too like I mean uh, I don't know uh, have you been to Germany
0: um only Berlin yeah yeah
1: it's, it feels a little more Brooklyn y, doesn't it?
0: It does, but the museum there, I forget what it's called that big museum with the.
1: Kunst something. Yeah, Kunst, Kunst something. Oh, people are <laughs> like, how could you not know? Um, I know, well. Kunstplatz. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I forget. It's the square one. Anyway, like there's a lot of really good stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost a lot of people. <laughs> like, man, they don't even know what that museum is. Sorry. Yeah, Berlin is was an interesting place.
0: Yeah, it's. De- I mean, there's a lot of American expats and stuff. It seems like a, a place that one could live, but I guess from from what they say, the winter's bleak, and it's hard to make money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And supposedly more, because every place that's like the cheap place to go for artists is within. D- like eventually a year, ruined. You're priced out. Exactly. <laughs>
0: I'm sure that that's happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: it, there's not many places left where. Remember when Belgium was like this thing for a little?
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess we could. I don't know, the Arctic. Is yeah, it, yeah. That's An- opening up as a possibility with climate change. Antarctica becoming might be more nice. livable. Yeah, right. I hear Alaska's melting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Antarctica will be balmy enough that we could set up. Yeah, a, yeah. A studio loft building.
0: Like the sixth borough is Ant- Antarctica. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs>
1: climate change oh no <laughs> we can talk about that um so yeah i when you didn't grow up in pennsylvania did you
0: i did i grew up outside of philadelphia okay and i went to school um at the pennsylvania academy of fine arts and university of pennsylvania
1: you really doubled down on that pennsylvania thing i sure did
0: <laughs> i sure did yes
1: so outside philly
0: um i grew up in havertown or um as they called it have no town um, which was about a half an hour outside of Philadelphia, okay. and then I went to school in downtown Philly.
1: Did that lead you to your summer home? Like no. the familiarity, or totally different? No,
0: because we're in a, a different zone. We're in the extreme sort of northeast of Pennsylvania, right. which it's practically New York. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very rural. Not,
1: Not too far from Easton. Probably. Easton's up there, right? It's
0: quite a bit further north from oh, Easton. Yeah. It's closer to Hancock, New York.
1: Okay, so you're yeah. basically in New York.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: What's the, I, I don't think I've been further north than Easton, in Pennsylvania. Does it get pretty? Like, do you have a lot of land?
0: We have um, 23 acres That's of, a lot of, land. of woods. <laughs> it's mostly woods. Yeah. And um, it's all very rural, dairy farms. Um, so a lot of cows and a lot of just rolling hillside and a lot of quiet. And unfortunately, a lot of Trump signs Except for on our road, I I really had my eye out for that when we, you know, 2016, we were driving out there. I was like, oh, good God, what, where are we? Pennsylvania. I'm scared. (laughs) But at least the people who live on our road did not have Trump signs up. So it made me feel slightly safer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, aside from the politics, is it like having that much land is a little scary or not scary, but like creepy?
0: It's well, when, when being a city, per, you know, when I'm there by myself, I, I creep myself out in about 30 seconds. Yeah. So yes. And I'm sort of like awake all night. Like, what was that? Right, and I imagine no like around. dead babies visiting me like ghosts. And I mean, really like marauders and, you know, just worst case scenario, horrible things happening. Yikes. What um, do you do? Turn on the TV? I just no, we don't have a TV. I read. And I, I make sure my, I marshal my cats around me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The my sentinels. Bodyguard. <laughs> yeah. They're, I, as you can imagine, highly effective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> they, um, <laughs> they could care less. No. Like, oh, someone's after her. Oh, well.
0: But then the minute, I don't know, maybe this means I'm codependent. I'm sure I am. But when my husband's around, I'm like, oh, I'm not scared.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> being by yourself no matter what. I mean, yeah. around 20 acres. Yeah, you know i I've never had that much space or lived in that much space. The closest I ever came was when I was at Skowhegan and mm-hmm. I was in the furthest barn, mm. like the one where you have to walk through a cow pasture to get to it. So it's pretty much nothing out there. And late at night, the two studio mates that I had they weren't really there late, so I would be out there by myself. And my studio door opened up to woods, like it just went. Sounds and wonderful. It, it was,
0: but it was great. Harrowing. But it was also a
1: little creepy because anyone I don't know maybe that's just like a city person's fear
0: it it might be but it's also just sort of like the unknown you know yeah. what what our brains project onto what we can't see it's like it's a mirror onto the sort of darker parts of the psyche
1: definitely yeah and that was the summer Blair Witch came out and I saw it <gasps> so oh my a, god not a pro move.
0: I know some people who <laughs> were not scared by that movie at all, but I felt like my whole world just slipped out from under me after I walked out of the theater. I was like, oh, no. I don't
1: know how you could not <laughs> be scared. <laughs> it that was, was pretty totally scary.
0: terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and there's
1: nothing like that with the handheld. No. They get produced an anxiety that no, was I'm, unfamiliar on film. And
0: then the kids in the corner right oh. before. Oh, I know, I know.
1: Brutal. So I I remember like after going to see that movie with some friends there Mm -hmm. of going back. And then, of course, at nighttime, it was at night and walking to my studio and being like, oh, my God, this is I'm in the woods.
0: Yeah. Witches are moving stones around. And yeah, Yeah. I know. I do think about those things. But in a way, I feel like it's sort of part of my work now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I didn't mean to like, aren't you really frightened? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's beautiful and wonderful. And. It,
0: yeah. it it is but 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 being a little bit scared is sort of built in and and i kind of i've i've you know i guess I welcome it it's sort of like all right,
1: the quiet must be so nice though
0: it's very nice do you you have studios there right we do we have studios there, and we have a lot i have a lot of um animal interactions like one year um there was this deer that only had one horn, and he visited me. Every day for about 10 days in a row. And we would just sort of look at each other. My studio opens onto our little driveway. um, And we would just make eye contact. Me and this one horn. I don't know what that was about. They stare at you. It was great to see him every day. Yeah. Or her. I don't know. Is it the female deer that have horns? I should know that. I think it's male bucks. It's male. It's bucks. It was a buck. Yeah. I felt that a it, was a, it, was, it was a one-horned man. Lost the other one, probably. It was a man a, deer in a battle. <laughs> but there are amazing things like that that happen. I mean, little family of geese, who, yeah. you know, live on the rock near the pond, and you know, see a porcupine. Once I had a face-off with a porcupine. That was one of the most amazing experiences of my whole life.
1: Dude, you got to be careful around those guys.
0: Uh, we, I was a sufficient distance, yeah. distance, I believe. But I did, I saw him. And I ran outside and and he just he was sort of lumbering in one direction. We looked at each other, and then he turned and walked away into the bushes and disappeared. <laughs> it was like, see you later, human he made an
1: agreement to just part ways,
0: yeah, like I don't really want to deal with you and then once we had a family of raccoons living in um there was, oh God, I'm like losing my words. <laughs> What's it called when there's a chute that's supposed to turn, like get the water to not erud? A gutter? Something like, it's like a large gutter. There's a word for it, but I don't remember. Anyway, a family of raccoons was living inside this, this gutter. Mm-hmm. And David and I went out, he had his sax and I had my violin. <laughs> And we went <laughs> out him. and we made the most God awful noise. Yeah. I mean, people out there will be like, you got to get your gun and like shoot the raccoon. Right. Or, well, you'll never get rid of them. And I just screamed my head off and made like screechy sounds on the violin and he blew his sex and they never came back.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that would be yeah. frightening enough. Yeah. Raccoons. Yeah. I think this is fun. You get all that. You get that side of life. Yeah. As opposed to being here all the time, right? Yeah. It's a nice respite. Now, it's, is the work a lot different?
0: Um, well, I feel like I've gone through different phases where sometimes I've welcomed the sort of mystical landscape and mm-hmm. mis- mystical animal experience into my work, and then I've banished it. Um, but now I'm full-on back in. Um, it's it's there, and I want it there, and um, it's probably my greatest inspiration.
1: Yeah. Your work is bucolic.
0: Well, that's nice. There's
1: a lot of trees and mm-hmm. nature and...
0: I hope it's a little haunted as well.
1: Yeah, it feels yeah. Nothing feels like locked into place. Yeah. Yeah. It feels ephemeral. In a really interesting way. I mean, it's a it's a nice balance between it feels like slightly conceptual and then also just the way you're painting it with these halos and edges and reverberations of things. hmm It feels activated.
0: Cool. And yeah. alive. That's what I'm going for. I really um I always think, how can I make this feel like it's breathing, even if it's just a line? Yeah. That's really important to me.
1: So, well, let's go back to when you're growing up. Were you always a a drawer or an art fan? I was. And were your parents creative people?
0: No, my parents are. Well, my mom is creative in that she plays piano and my father's creative in that he cooks. Um, But they are both science people. And my brother's a lawyer. And I was just sort of this like, like kind of kooky person who felt big feelings. I felt the family feelings, mm-hmm. and I drew all the time. And um, you younger sibling. Um, my my brother's younger. He I'm okay. I'm the older one. Um, but I was yeah, just the sort of emotional, like creative, you know, young little girl in her in her room. Um. And I also, um, I played music a lot. So those mm-hmm. were my two main things, were drawing and painting and, um, and playing violin.
1: Yeah, did you, was that from the jump, like violin was the first instrument?
0: Yes. Uh, I started playing violin when I was five years old. Um, I play on, I still have my great-grandfather's violin and my grandfather's violin. Nice. So it was a real family um, kind of tradition. Were
1: they playing more classical or a little more like fiddle style?
0: Uh, they played classical, and I grew. Well, my grandfather died when I was about twelve, I think. But I remember listening to him practice, and he was just a phenomenal classical violinist. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, was that what he did? Like that was his... no. He was
0: a scientist. He was actually an environmental scientist, but he was very serious about violin, and he was just incredibly good at it. And um, so, yeah, it was just this thing that I inherited, and I learned Suzuki.
1: Oh, the Suzuki method? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I played classical violin all through uh, elementary school and Mm -hmm. high school, um, into college a little bit. And then I stopped for uh, about 12 years, and then my way back in was was fiddle, was was Appalachian-style fiddling. Right, which Mm -hmm.
1: is, if you can play classical, you can adapt to fiddle playing?
0: It takes some doing. Yeah. Because there's some techniques you have to really consciously undo, like vibrato, right. um, you know making things too melodic. I heard someone say one time that that classical violin is like singing, and fiddling is like dancing, and mm-hmm. it's really true. So the fiddle, you use the same instrument. People often ask, like is a fiddle different than a violin? It's not It's just how you play it. Right. But with a fiddle, it's all in your bow arm and you got to get your wrist moving and there's all these incredible patterns, ways that you can move your arm that are regional like there's patterns that are specific to areas in North Carolina or Kentucky or West Virginia and there's I, I mean, I just found the whole world around old time music, like super fascinating. Yeah.
1: And it's so percussive compared to classical. It really is. Mean, classical dan- can Yeah, get percussive, but not as. It's not the same. Upbeat and kind of forceful. Maybe. And
0: classical is like stage music. Yeah. And old time music is porch music. It's right. it's dance. It's 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 you know, you're hanging out with your friends. Right. It's less of it's more a, emotional, less of a deal. Yeah. yeah, and it's
1: feeling, whereas I feel like classical is more the page, in a way. Well,
0: I don't know about that. I, f- I feel a lot of feelings when I've played classical. I've channeled a lot of feeling into, into... In fact, when I was younger, I remember my teacher saying, okay, you know, you're playing the notes really well with a classical piece, but now I want you to play this piece again and think about that boy you like at school... Oh, so it's your
1: feeling I'd I would be think like that,
0: Oh, I get it now. <laughs> right, right.
1: See, I would think it's like interpreting the feeling of the piece because it's so rote. It Whereas, is like, but
0: you bring your you bring your style and you bring you bring your feeling to it. I mean, I've really definitely experienced that, and for me, the fiddle stuff. Um, there's certain ballads that are super emotional, but it's more patterny, and in a weird way, it's more mental because each song is like a trick. You think you know what the next note's going to be, but it's like no, it just disrupts your expectation yeah. of of pattern in a way that I just find very exciting.
1: I guess I would. I was thinking maybe a a parallel would be like acting in a movie where, versus like improv acting. Mm-hmm where one is you find the emotion through the role and through the emotional device of what's wrote. but then the other one is more like you coming up with things on the the spot. But I don't know, was the fiddle music you were playing, I mean, is it often improvisational or is it more song-based?
0: It's song-based, but everyone has their own interpretation, Yeah, and it's sort of part of the fun is to sort of bring your own little twist and to do your homework and learn what the kind of antiquarian recordings are like what what are the original earliest recordings that we can find of x y or z song and really know them yeah um it's 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 nerdy
1: i can imagine i don't know that much about it except that isn't bill monroe a
0: really he's big a instrument? he's a he's a bluegrass musician yeah. and so bluegrass was sort of this step after old time old time um was like I said you know porch music more more social more more dance music and then bluegrass is when it started to get go to the recording studio and the stage yeah. and have these kind of like show offy solos in the middle um old time tends to be more repetitive and for me like more trancey because you right. kind of just you go into the zone when you play a song like 20 times through it's does kind it, of crazy
1: Does it come from like the kind of like Irish music or the old European. It's a of, hybrid. Yeah. It's
0: a hybrid of, um, European, um, different folk traditions. And then of course the banjo is originally an African instrument. So there's a whole African American tradition that, that also weaves its way in.
1: Right. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Do you like that Bill Monroe? Like the bluegrass? Stuff? I do. It's good. Yeah. Isn't it?
0: I love it. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's got its, it's, uh, its own feeling, mm-hmm. you know, I like work my way back from like Western swing, you know, like mm-hmm. go, moving back through jazz. I love that stuff. That stuff. Yeah. Bob Wills is one of my favorites. Totally
0: great stuff. <laughs> it's wacky. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: the humor in it's so good. But, mm-hmm. but they're great musicians too.
0: Well, there's so many funny songs. So many of these folk songs are, are hilarious. And one of my favorite fiddle songs to play is called Greasy Coat. And supposedly Greasy Coat is a condom. And it's so here's like this <laughs> song about a condom. I mean, supposedly. Right.
1: The double entendre Yeah Greasy <laughs> <laughs> So you're playing All the time still Once um, you picked it back up you, you keep playing
0: Yeah It's sort of One thing led to another And um, now I I've, I still play Some old time But I started playing um, With rock bands mm-hmm. And I play With this one band now um, Heroes of Tulick Shout out To my band <laughs> um, Where some of the music Is composed By my friend um, Evans Woolforth told Tim I would mention his <laughs> name <laughs> and um, so he'll compose things and he has a um, classical guitar background yeah. um, but then sometimes you know we just we have moments where we can improvise and you know sort of make up our own arrangements and I also write my own songs now um, and I sing now mm-hmm. um, so it's been this kind of evolution uh, since I started um, playing I guess again in 2008 Now I'm like full on, I've recorded some albums and... Back at it. Yeah, I'll back people up on their solo projects. And, you know, I'm kind of down, down to clown.
1: Right. Well, did you... I mean, violin is a specific path, like growing up with... If it's, you know, integrated in the school and education and all that stuff. I mean, was your music pretty diverse, your interests outside of that? Or was it pretty honed into that?
0: I had a big tote bag as a teen of tapes. Um and I really prided myself on the eclectic variety of music that I was into as a as a I mean I I was a sort of depressed and dejected teen, mm-hmm. a goth type. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I just thought like music is a way for me to figure out who I am and mm-hmm. like claim my independence I mean of course a lot of people feel that way, a lot of young people feel that way it's important it, it's so important, so I was really into you know punk and like new wave, um, but I also had like um you know Caribbean tapes of Caribbean music of um you know like music from Ghana, South African music. Indian music. That young? Yeah. I, 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 That's I, pretty great. I thought I was like, my tote bag of tapes made me think that I was actually a cool person. Yeah, Because yeah. like, I definitely wasn't at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but if you like that music, you kind of are.
0: I mean, looking back, an adult, uh, I think adults appreciated me, but my, but I, I just didn't, I wasn't social. I didn't go to parties. I, I was like a, like a mute, basically. I was so paralyzingly shy as a kid. So music really was a huge part of keeping me connected to well,
1: where you were you finding like African music, like Ghana music from Ghana and stuff record shops or.
0: Yeah, I would go to the, I'd go to the record shop. I would go to the tape Section I didn't play records because it was the 80s. Yeah. And we played tapes.
1: Mixtapes. Mixtapes. Mixtapes were so I good. I love
0: my mixtapes. I, I was so proud of my mixtapes. Yeah. We, yeah, <laughs> that,
1: Some of the... <laughs> want to do a, a sort of research study on how many artists, like, their beginnings of their art was like mixtape. Oh, like yeah. cover art. You know how you'd make your own? Yeah. Like get the blank uh, Maxwells or whatever they were and then yes. you make your own cover art. Yeah. fun.
0: That was like... Everything. That's yeah. how you got people to like you. Right. Like Give here. Like I'm totally like a social weirdo. But here's my mixtape.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like social media in
0: a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just love that whole experience of yeah. like pressing stop and go on the tape player and like, okay, put on the next song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then writing down all the yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good stuff.
0: Yeah, it was making so. a little artwork.
1: So you had a diversity of music. And then with drawing, was it just something you were doing for fun? Or did you, in school, were you have a great art teacher? Or I how had did that a, work?
0: I had a great, I had great art teachers in school. Um, and I just, that I just, that, I loved it. And I made drawings just to sort of, I felt like um, I could, didn't understand social interactions but I understood what was happening on a two dimensional surface. I mean, I thought I did I, right, um, I felt like I did, so like I like your life narrative or just no, just I just thought, well, I can't control what's out there, right. but, but maybe I can control what's going on on this page, mm-hmm. and it just helped me feel like I could you know get away, I guess a little yeah. bit but escapism, yeah, some escapism, yeah, yeah.
1: that can be. Kind of like opens a door mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Well, how did you, like in high school, was it something that you were really into? Or was music more of the thing? Or like It was both. When you are getting ready to think about college, like what was the plan?
0: Well, the plan was that my music teacher wanted me to go into music. But I kind of knew at that point I wasn't ready to perform. Um, I was too nervous. Um, my, I would get too nervous for auditions and things like that. I practiced like six, seven hours a day as a, in high school. That's a lot. And it didn't matter how much I practiced. I could just, everything could fall apart, you know. At stage a, fright? I had severe stage fright. It's so brutal
1: to do all that work. And then when the light comes on, you're just like, nope.
0: It just wasn't, I I just realized, like, I don't want to do this to myself. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> fun. I like to be alone and, and draw and, you know, like, meet other people who like to do the same thing i just knew at that point i wasn't able to be a performer so um i just i dropped the music yeah and
1: that's why you put it on the shelf for years yeah. and years yeah it's mm-hmm. like the uh remember the cartoon with the warner brother frog the singing frog but every time like he would show it to someone else I was like no yeah <laughs> no i'm not, gonna, <laughs> yeah, do no, I'm not <laughs> gonna do it
0: yeah that was me it's like she's amazing but um it's a different
1: thing. Performing. Not on demand. Yeah, performing yeah. is a, there's an art to that too.
0: I didn't really figure it out until I was thirty seven or thirty eight, thirty nine around there. Yeah, the first time I sang in public, it was the night I turned forty. Um, so you know, I was a late bloomer with performing, but now I really like it.
1: Well, you get the you get comfortable. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's just some younger people have a gift of being comfortable. In yeah. front of people or yeah. doing whatever yeah. it is, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, like the moment doesn't seize them. It's up.
0: innate kind of thing when like, they're young. Yeah. yeah, like
1: people really good at sports, it's like their body just kind of takes over. They're not thinking like, "Oh, there's people in the crowd, and what if I fumble this?" Or what? Right. They're just they just do it. They're flowing. But yeah, it's kind of unconscious. Like a switch gets tripped, Absolutely. and it doesn't matter how good you are. That's a different set of something. Yes. I don't know, and and I think a lot for other people, that comes with age. You know, because I remember speaking in front of people. I was never good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could do it, but it wasn't like something I felt good about. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain age, maybe around the age you're talking, you know, I just felt really comfortable saying, you know what, like part of it's like you just don't care anymore. You're like, well, absolutely, this is what I believe. Yeah. I feel good about it. Mm. Yeah.
0: Some of us, it just takes a little bit longer to get comfortable. But who cares, right? You know? I mean, there's like different phases for different things in life. Totally. It would be,
1: I think it would be weird if I were like 21 and I was just... Hey, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You'd be a politician or something. Working the room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as artists, I think priority number one is, do you like to be alone a lot? (laughs) Right.
1: Does the idea of being in a cave, making pictures by yourself. And just
0: being by yourself with your thoughts. Are you good with that? Then you'll probably be in it for the long haul. The other stuff is sort of tangential. I I feel
1: bad for the people who don't like to do that, but they really want to be artists.
0: Well, they kind of... Do you think they end up being artists? I feel like maybe they... Or maybe they figure out they're they're the ones that collaborate and do Assistance. right? <laughs> they're the ones who have 40 assistants. We know those artists,
1: <laughs> the ones who are like more into the whole, yeah. Which is fine, yeah. you know.
0: It's a, just another way to do it.
1: It's like a director over an actor in a way, yeah. It's like they enjoy the process, yeah. Like the idea of the process, There's, maybe a little. You more You could than totally than just be
0: a it. director style artist. I don't. I, the, being alone is not a requirement, but I guess when you are a painter, it is.
1: Yeah, unless you just. Invite people over while you work. (laughs) Hey guys, come hang out. I know a couple artists who do that. They're like a full house whenever they're working. Yeah. For me, I can't.
0: No. I
1: don't want any. I can't do assistance or anything. No. No one in the room.
0: No one in the room. Because then I'm like,
1: well, then I'm just paying attention. It's a weird thing to be able to ignore people who are in your proximity when you're doing something. Like I think of painting as being kind of intimate in a way. It is. I mean, it's not like, you know. I mean, painting naked, maybe more so, but I don't do that. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of a weird thing to have someone in the room.
0: Yes, doing. I, I agree. I mean, I I can do it when I'm working on something collaboratively. I I have done that. Yeah, I'm drawn with people drawn on the same thing or painted on the same thing, um, but that's because we really trust each other. Right, it's sort of a different.
1: Yeah, collaborating. There's something about that that you're giving. Like it's it's almost like a shared conversation or understanding. Yeah. But just someone's hanging around. Right. Is different.
0: Yeah. They're not allowed to just hang around. Yeah. It's <laughs> not.
1: I mean, this feels like a space where it's like you and your images.
0: You yeah. Know?
1: Like it has that vibe. I mean, some people's studios are a little more corporate or something or they're bigger and whatever floats your boat, I guess. Yeah. Whatever works for you.
0: This is this definitely. I mean, all the work I made last year, and my it was the biggest studio I ever had at the sharp. I made all these eight foot paintings, and now I'm in probably less than half the amount of space. And oh, so, you a so space. Yeah, and so now I'm like, wow, look at all these paintings. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I gotta finish some of them. Come on. <laughs>
1: hard, right? Sometimes
0: it's hard when you're looking at an eight foot painting that's like 99% of the way done, but like that last 1% is the crucial 1% and you're like, "Uh, I feel sort of dwarfed by this task before me. Sometimes I'll I'll just...
1: (laughs) Say, maybe if I don't look at it for a while, turn and look and it'll, it'll be done.
0: That, well, or or you turn and look at it and all of a sudden you've worked on something else and you're like, oh, now I know, completely know exactly what I need to do. Totally. I think that's important.
1: Yeah. So when you're working, sorry, I know I'm jumping all over the place. It's just one of those days. (laughs) It's okay. But when you're working, I mean, you work on one painting at a time and you kind of know what it's going to do or where it's going to go, or is it... Purely improv, or you know,
0: I, I I do a lot of drawing. I do collages in Photoshop. From sometimes I draw from those. Sometimes I draw from the landscape. Um, I do drawings from my drawings, so I get a little bit of an idea of what I'd like to see. But um, it's not fun or interesting, um, process wise, or I think as the resultant image wise if i if i know what i'm doing too much i just get a little antsy i like to sort of let things get out of control a little bit um so you know sometimes i'll do a few versions of one idea and then i i i, I kind of maybe more know what it might look like but yeah. but not not really and things can get out of control really quickly um and i i, I, I love and hate that yeah it's yeah. like a
1: battle but That needs to happen
0: Yeah Yeah
1: And there's a lot of Your surfaces Have kind of like A feel of like Age to them You know Like maybe it's like A polypsest or whatever It's just this Yeah they layer There's a lot of layering But there's some Corners that look like Worn Or like it feels like They've they've been around For a while Mm -hmm. Is that like something that you're hyper conscious of when you're making it, or is it more embedded in the process? I think of the it's way you're just working?
0: embedded in the process of the way I'm working, and because I work in acrylic, it's a really indirect medium um i I think that things look better the more layers accumulate yeah. um colors get more vibrancy um especially if each layer is you know let's say it's like shifting back and forth between warm and cool um there's something that start a buzz that starts to happen. And, and, and so, you know, maybe that's the worn feeling.
1: Um, well, also too, there's some brush strokes that it seemed like there's almost just a little bit of pigment mm-hmm. and it's mostly like water mm-hmm. in it. That's disseminating the, the paint in a way that's not kind of like, it almost looks like it might've been sanded or worn down.
0: Yeah. That's a big part of it. I mean, it's not just brush, brush strokes but there's a lot of um, working uh, horizontally and building things up, letting things sort of puddle and letting, um, sometimes they're thick puddles and sometimes they're super watered down and I do sand things away and I like to talk about the process and think about the process as a sort of like weathering. Mm-hmm. It's like ge- geology almost, like um, stones wear- wearing away under the force of, of rain and, um, you know, time and pressure and um, how can sort of paint mimic that weathering.
1: Yeah, totally. Who are, like, I'm sure a million, but are there some artists uh, in history or, like, people that maybe even recently that you've been really into yeah. as far as, like, having an influence on what what you're doing?
0: Um, well, I love Charles Bur- Birchfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's pretty but Emily Carr um the Canadian artist Emily Carr I've been getting really into her and Franz Mark um I've been looking at him a lot uh lately and um like Fauve Matisse you know um Milton Avery I totally dig and you know, I just, I love Lee Krasner. I mean, I, I love that she's sort of having more of a moment now. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It is. Yeah.
1: Those paintings are really good. They're really good. It's hard to imagine, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, just so overlooked. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, I mean, people know Lee Krasner and her work, but I mean, should have been way more. Absolutely. the rungs of the ladder than than she was given.
0: Absolutely. So it's it's super exciting to yeah. see her work out more. Um, yeah, I love I love her work.
1: I love all the eyes in this one. I feel, always feel bad talking about specific pieces when people aren't... aren't it's yeah.
0: called Pagan Dance Party.
1: But this, this one has <laughs> a lot of... We'll describe it. This looks like purple branches of trees, a lot of foliage, and then these ghost-like outlines of figures. It's got a little bit of a... Kind of like the Picasso with the dancing figures or like Dejeuner l'Herbe feel to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I look, I, I, I neglected to say, I look at um, Cezanne's bathers, um, his sketches, yeah. and, um, the drawings all the time, like all the time. And so, you know, if there's some Picasso in there, it's like well, he was looking at that too. So I'm looking at Picasso, but I'm looking at the, as at really at Cezanne and these like gnarly gnarly weird bodies that he would invent and so with that painting in particular um yeah I thought like here's this sort of lavender oak tree (laughs) um (laughs) the kind of spooky Celtic um occult symbol of the oak tree right and the lavender kind of thinking about like Monet, the Monet palette and how Monet painted these kind of like, um, horrendously polluted, uh, urban landscapes with these beautiful new purples, right. um, that were coming out in, in the new, the new fangled tubes that allowed the impressionists to go outside. So there's that. And then, um, the, the, the people are s- supposed to be sort of emerging from the tree, like branches, like ghost bathers, and then, um you know there's like ha- animal human hybrids you've got some horse heads and some cat heads in there and then, when I painted the 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 eyes in, it almost just tied it just tied everything together for me, and it felt like this sort of swarm of fish kind of across the canvas, like another layer of composition you know you have the tree you've got the figures, and then you've got this strange um spray of 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 eyeballs going across the canvas
1: yeah there's a lot but you don't really see them all at once. they're kind of they creep up on Mm -hmm,
0: you mm -hmm.
1: it's interesting too. the dark around the trees which could look like a cartoony outline really reads as like nighttime oh good but that's all you need is that little bit of dark around the Mm
0: -hmm, trees mm -hmm. yeah I mean in my head there's a lot going on in terms of art history with that painting with all with all my work um But it's not just art history. It's just like, I want them to be, you know, this kind of merging of the the figure with the landscape, the line with the field.
1: Yeah. And why, just out of curiosity, with, I mean, have you worked in oils or is it always a collect thing?
0: I mean, as a a former, former alumni or alumni of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. PAPHA. PAPHA. Um, of course, I had to work in oil, and I worked in oil um, through grad school. Um, and I loved oil, but it was at the end of grad school, I was packing my work up, and I had improperly stored a six-foot painting that had many, many, many layers of paint on it. And as a path graduate, I do know about, you know, how you're supposed to put fat over lean. You right. don't put lean over fat, but, I mean, I just did what I did. And... I nicked the surface of it, and it just the image flaked off, Mm -hmm. and I was like, "This is not the medium for me." Yeah, because it's just too there's too much kind of uh, planning, maybe. Yeah, and acrylic each layer adheres to the layer underneath it, and you could like I mean I've had a sewage leak on them on them before in other studios. Um, and you know, I just take my paper towel and soap yeah. and water and clean it right off. It's
1: just plastic. It's fine. Thing just rolls off of it's it. It's
0: totally cool. It's flexible. So, it doesn't
1: crack really.
0: Yeah. And I can layer and layer and layer. And for me, the, 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 grossening and the scumminess of the surface, you know, it doesn't make it more precarious. It just becomes part of the story of the finished product. Yeah. And I like the, I like the content that acrylic brings, um, it's its own synthetic chemistry content that's different from the history of oil paint. Yeah. So, I mean, while I, I love oil paint and every now and then I think about going back to it, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bonded to acrylic. my acrylic.
1: Yeah. You get used to the speed, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you drive a Porsche for a while and then you get in a, old big truck yeah. or something and it's like you just it's a different speed yeah it I'm is not. Oil painters don't get mad at me. I'm not saying that oil paint is a big old truck, but you know, it's a different.
0: Well, you have to have a different kind of sense of time with oil paint. It's totally true. Yeah. You, you know, you gotta, okay, like, I gotta wait for that to dry or I scrape it off.
1: There's a beauty to it. And if you're going wet on wet, I mean, that nothing get like any it. Better.
0: I've tried to replicate it in acrylic and there's nothing like wet into wet in, in oils. Yeah. Agreed.
1: I mean, I use a hairdryer. Wow. It makes the paint dry fast. If you work with acrylics, it's a lifesaver sometimes.
0: Well, one reason why I like to work outside in the summer is I put my paintings outside and they dry in the sun nice and quickly and I can spill away. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I can imagine that's real quick. Yeah. In the sunlight. Yeah. And that's out in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Not here. No. (laughs) Not in the courtyard? No, not in the (laughs) courtyard in
0: Greenpoint. (laughs) No. Not well, so not, not not yet anyway.
1: Right. So when you got out of school, you moved straight to New York?
0: Um pretty much. I spent a really miserable year in Philadelphia working um, at a research institute that my mother was a vice president at.
1: Oh, the old mom mom gig? Mommy, can she I have a up? job?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was part-time. Wasn't that fun? It was pretty interesting. I mean, I had to um write definitions of medical device terminology weird yeah and I enjoyed it
1: not that that's a weird thing it's just a weird gig
0: it was a weird gig and then I graduated up to writing abstracts of articles of the articles were about when medical device um, medical devices went wrong Mm -hmm. like you know really weird things like
1: that sounds like a netflix special or like like
0: a like a motor museum type of you know you, yeah. you know at the you know the, the 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 drawers of things that people swallowed right that's my favorite thing at the motor museum but there'd be articles about that like so and so swallowed you know like i don't know
1: like a plastic
0: bunny okay. and it perforated his, his colon and like oh. we this this is this <laughs> and that we had to do to like <laughs> fix him up and i'd be like writing abstracts. I remember one time reading about a guy who sat on a public drinking fountain.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Haven't we all done that? Let's be honest. <laughs>
0: and like, this place was crazy. There was a library upstairs where there was just drawer after drawer of just kind of like obsolete medical devices. It was a really cool place to work.
1: What did now, what did you glean? What did you get out of that experience? Like, Okay, well, Other than good stories. I, I
0: poured over um, journals of um, skin disorders mm-hmm. and I saw really, really insane things like um, pressure ulcers, like bed sores, and like end stage diabetes, and like cancer of the anus, like crazy oh. stuff. And I would just stare at these pictures, like the grosser, the better. And I really feel like that imprinted itself onto me and I know that this work is not necessarily about (laughs) skin disorders but I've always thought about how paint can be a metaphor for for flesh and how the painting process can be sort of violent and like you know corpulent and like rotting and like that there's this putrid kind of smell that you can kind of make when you make a painting yeah totally and I think Yeah, so that's what I did in the year between graduating um, from undergrad and then moving to New York. I went and then I went to Vermont Studio Center for a few months and then I moved to New York.
1: Oh, before? That's nice. Yeah. Nice little pit stop. Yeah. Did you meet some people?
0: I met my husband there. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Nice little detour. Yeah. Just go meet my husband and then move to New York.
0: I met a lot of amazing people who made me realize that I didn't need anything special or tons of money to move to New York, that I could just make the decision and just do it. So
1: I think we just dropped an amazing ad for Vermont Studio Center. Yes.
0: (laughs) Vermont. (laughs) Go to Vermont Studio Center and uh, your whole life will get better.
1: You might meet your significant other.
0: I've heard of that happening before. Yeah. I mean,
1: you're, you're, you get to know people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are good experiences to get to know people who are it's a great like-minded it's a great place Although how is this is a loaded question how is the artist artist relationship um is you that, know that,
0: it's it's like sometimes we can just be like oh you got invited to be in that show yeah good for you <laughs> have fun with Bravo. that <laughs> but you know i actually said this to to him yesterday or the day before I was like you know I might get a little jealous every now and then but I would never be like upset or angry at something you get because like I love you and I'm happy for you and and I know he feels the same way too so it's just it's fine it's great
1: well outside of the potential competitiveness I just mean more so of like artists are usually wired a little differently than...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you can say, I want to go to the studio, or, like, I'm going to be late because i got to be in the studio, or, like, I don't want to come for dinner because I want to be in the studio, and the other person's like, totally. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, right. Yeah, fine. It's How fine. about
1: this? This must be nice. I've got to sit in a room and stare at the wall blankly yeah. for a couple hours, yeah, and I the other to... person's like, yeah, me yeah, too.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Like, fig- go figure your painting out. That's right. the most important thing.
1: Yeah, that must be...
0: It's good. Good, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you both musicians.
0: Yeah, and we play together from, That's good. from time to time, and yeah. um, that can be fun. Frogs, the Frogs Musical Collective.
1: Yeah, do you jam with a lot of different people, just in general?
0: We do. We have sort of an ongoing thing um, where we have several good friends who play music and happen to be very good at it. Yeah, and we adapt our sets. Um, to whoever is sort of available or wants to do it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we'll, we'll sort of evolve and change the different pieces based on who's going to be playing with us, and it's a lot of fun.
1: That's cool, and you get a lot of different instrumentation. Yeah, can I imagine?
0: yeah, we have one really good friend who's a violist. We friends who's a pianist, um, few several guitarists, um, oboe. Uh, well, a clarinet player. Kurt Hoffman, there you go. Who has a show up right now at Studio Ten? Nice. Um, <laughs> he's a wonderful clarinetist, and he played with us um, about a year ago. That's fun. That and does fun. he play
1: bass clarinet too?
0: I don't know. Do most? I don't really know.
1: Yeah, because I I play saxophone, and then I started. You playing, do? Yeah. And cool. I just Well, I mean, that's what I played when I was a kid. Yeah. For band and stuff, and then I played bass clarinet just because it's the same. Thing, right. Really. That's cool. It's an easy transition.
0: Yeah, D, well, David, plays sax. You yeah. got uh, Did you guys talk about that? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I know we should play music together <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah,
0: anytime. I would love to. I'm always down to play with a new new person. Right? I can't, yeah.
1: I have this like desire to maybe do like a performance. Like a a, like a weekly or a monthly jam session in a gallery that's just artists.
0: I would love that. And it'd be fun? Yeah. I think monthly. I know. Let's a be lot honest of, with ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of really great artists who are really, there are a great lot
0: musicians. of great artists who are also great musicians. It's it true. Some cool stuff. Going yeah. On. I All mean, right.
1: Let's put that on the list of like 4 million things that we have to do.
0: Definitely. <laughs> okay. Put that down
1: <laughs> number four. <laughs> All right. Artist jam session. Yeah. It'd be fun
0: though. Number four. That's pretty high up.
1: Yeah, that's what that's I, good. That was the intent. Okay. Let's get it up towards yeah. the top. Okay. And music's important.
0: It is so important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's funny because I've had conversations with musicians, and they like art. You know, they're to, I think they're pretty like fascinated by the art world and like what what it's like to be an artist. But you know, you can't art while you music, right? But you can music while you art. Yes. You know? Yeah. So artists, we have this like we get obsessed with music, right? Because it's like our friend in the studio. So yeah, it's
1: there for us Yeah, and it's inspiration Yeah, for a lot. I mean, it's the whole premise of a lot of what I talk about with people is like, you know, how music, I mean, music for me is one of the biggest things in my life. So yeah. And so is art. So yeah, how that merges. And I had so many artists. I mean, once in a while you'll hit someone who's just like, yeah, I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of music. It doesn't really affect me, but most of the time people are into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it just, it fills your head and it replaces those weird thoughts sometimes.
1: And it's so immediate compared to like art. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just sound hitting your ear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, art is so much about the connections, the visual dialogue and the communicating through time. I mean, it is with music too, but you know what I mean? It's, it's just so direct.
0: Yes. It's, there's it, less of a filter. It hit, of, and, and it just, I mean, I'm no neurologist. Neuroscientist, But it must just hit a different part of your brain. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we need that part of our brain engaged.
1: It's vibrations mm-hmm. as opposed to light. Mm-hmm. I think this is just light.
0: That's a good theory.
1: It's That's a different thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And thank God we have both, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. So you have a show up now. I do. Can you tell everyone about... You, your show, where they can see your stuff. I would
0: love to talk about myself a little more. Thank (laughs) you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's called Toxic Halo, and it's at High Noon Gallery, which is at 106 Eldridge Mm -hmm. on the Lower East Side, and it's up through March 1st. And um, it's a show of, um, I have one sort of semi-large painting of of a rotting cow, um, whose entrails are, are, are rising up and merging with the landscape in a sort of regeneration scene. Um, I could talk about that painting for a while, but just go see it. Yeah. And then the rest of the works are small paintings and uh, works on paper. Uh, a lot of work that I did at Civitella at the residency in Italy this fall and um, in, over the summer um, in, out in Pennsylvania, all the paintings, the little paintings it would be cool to there. see
1: that in a different atmosphere, right? It, yeah. Like making and living with it it's, somewhere totally different.
0: It's really cool. And um I'm I'm really happy with the installation. And um yeah, I'm proud of this body of work. And the title Toxic Halo is actually um comes from a song I wrote um a few years ago called Ruin. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to come up with a title to the show, and a friend of mine um, was listening to me sing my song and heard that line and was like, It's cool. Toxic it's cool Halo. Like, that's your show. That's what you're doing. And it I just, <laughs> like, yeah, that is what I'm doing. You sound a little bossy. Like Thank they you. Really knew. <laughs> <laughs> but it was totally right. Yeah, it's a great title. I, I and mean, it was just such a wonderful thing to have someone find something useful to me in my own thing mm-hmm. that I didn't see.
1: Sometimes you have you need that, right? You need
0: other people yeah. to help you see things.
1: And like sometimes when people write about your stuff, you're like, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so nice. Totally. It's so nice when people take the time to care yeah. about what you do. Definitely. Yeah. So I mean thank you for caring.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> thank you for making things to care about. <laughs> but no, I agree. It's it's nice to And to to our point earlier, we do sit alone most of the time. Yeah, (laughs) and like
0: we were saying before we started this, how important it is to do something that isn't just about ourselves. Yeah. Um, For me, writing has been like that. Writing about other people's work, um, doing interviews sometimes. Music Um, too, right? Music too.
1: That that you know, it's something. If you're not a like if you don't play music, I don't know if you can get that that sort of symbiotic energy that you get when you're jamming with people mm-hmm. and it's going well and it's just like I don't know it's a weird feeling it's, but it's like list- it's otherworldly
0: it's, it's, it's also just really listening definitely and I think that experience of being in the moment and listening to other people and also being aware of the people I'm playing for mm-hmm. and just allowing that to kind of pass through me like I don't know that's helped me be a better teacher better artist think yeah totally yeah. i agree yeah
1: that's good stuff so the show's up until march, march 1st, 1st mm-hmm. and then you do social media to an extent
0: i do i do i do
1: you do it but I it's do. a good place for people to keep up there unless it's the website more thorough as far as no like,
0: i would say in my instagram i mean i, I i've been kind of a, 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 a um a, a, a rammy instagrammer mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I probably over post, but whatever. It's, yeah. it's my Instagram page. <laughs> yeah, it's a place to put yeah. pictures of things. But I love I, I love Instagram for that. I would say my Instagram is more thorough than my website, although my website has been recently updated. Um, Are
1: they, is that your name, your website?
0: Jennifer dot com. Yeah. yeah. What's your middle name? Lee.
1: That's my mother's middle name. Really? Sandra Lee.
0: Sandra Lee. Yeah. And I'm Jenny Lee. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a nice little name. <laughs> it's
0: it's use, It's workable. It's serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's brief,
1: but it gets to the point. Yeah, it gets to
0: the point. To the point. <laughs> it's, it's like decorative. It feels Southern, it, doesn't it? It does. It does.
1: Same with my mom. I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh, so.
0: Yeah. Not I'm, Southern. I'm not Southern at all. Sandra Lee. Yeah.
1: Okay. But your website, Jennifer.
0: JenniferLCoates.com, It has a deep um, archive of images going back to 2004. Um, and I have some music up on there I have to update oh, cool. that part But yeah nice. I do I have some stuff I have some of my old time stuff And some of the Heroes of Tulik And some of my Stuff I've done by myself
1: One stop JLC yeah, shopping
0: Some Some collaborations up there And All kinds of goodies
1: Cool Well Thanks a ton for having me over thank you it's so nice with the sun coming in i it's know just feels it's like a good moment of the coming. day yeah definitely yeah. but thanks it was so nice to meet you you too Sound and vision is recorded edited and produced by myself brian albert you can find more about the podcast at soundinvisionpodcast.com images on instagram at soundinvisionpodcast you can find out more about my work at ryanalford.net and on instagram at Alfred Studio. many thanks to jennifer go check out her show at high new gallery up through march 1st it's called toxic halo and many thanks to michael lovett for the intro heaven marion intro outro music thanks to golden artist colors for their sponsorship of the podcast the new york studio school for their sponsorship as well go check out their marathon program and degree programs and many thanks to you the listeners you can support the podcast by going to itunes and leaving a rating or review and you can also go to patreon.com slash podcast and become a patreon patreon many thanks for your support Thank mm-hmm.